0: Music for this podcast is provided by Ben Howington, the Mormon guitarist. Check out his YouTube channel, Mormon Guitar. Making a Missionary, Episode 5.
1: Read the Book of Mormon every day. It transforms people, it changes them.
0: Welcome to Making a Missionary, where I interview future and return missionaries and church educators to help prepare, motivate, and inspire you in your efforts to become a successful servant of the Lord. To teach and preach and work as missionaries do. Hazel, Welcome to episode 5. I had the opportunity to sit down with Sam Beeson, who... Uh, where do I start? So he is the father of Eliza Johnson, who I interviewed for episode four. He has been back from his mission for 25 years. Um, he was also my high school English teacher and he currently serves or works um, at the high school still teaching English. And he's also a bishop. So it was a wonderful opportunity to me to for me to to sit down with him and talk. And I really, really loved his perspective on missionary work as a bishop, also as a former missionary. Um, so, really wonderful, amazing interview that I had with him, and I'm really excited to share that with you. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, but but before then, I, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I want to remind you that if you would like to see the show notes for this episode or any episode, you can go to makingamissionary.org slash episode five, and that's for this episode. And in the show notes, you can basically see some of the pictures from, from his mission and an explanation of, of of him as a missionary and kind of my summary of, of the interview, things that I don't quite mention in the in the episode itself. Also on my website, there's a page called Where'd they Serve? And it has a world map with markers. and you can click on a marker and it will bring up that mission in that area. And also any, um, any anyone that I interviewed who served in that area, and you can click on their name, and it'll it'll take you to their their show notes on their page, so that's a really cool feature that I that I like about my my website. But um, so yeah. Anyway, so without further ado, here's my interview with Sam. All right, everybody, I'm sitting here with Sam Beeson. Um, we're actually sitting in his high school classroom at American Fork High School, and I'm I must say that I'm very excited. And um, to have the pleasure to 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 finally meet with you, um, Sam is a really busy guy, and he took the time to to get together with me. So, um, by way of introduction, I asked Sam some questions about uh, about him, who he is, what makes him who he is, and I I uh, was actually really impressed with some of the some of the things that he's accomplished in his life, and. He was actually born in Washington State, but he has lived in uh, in Utah pretty much his whole life. He is an author of five books: one Valentine's book and a and four Christmas books. The latest of which is titled A Rare Nativity, and that can be found on BarnesandNoble.com.
1: Nice plug, man.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Um, he loves the Book of Mormon and he is an English teacher like I mentioned at American Fork High School in American Fork, Utah and he's also an English professor at University or uh, Utah Valley University. I'm used to still used to calling it Utah Valley State College because that's what it was when I when I went there. I graduated um, after taking his class Fifteen years ago, so yeah, it's kind of nostalgic. This is old times. it is nostalgic being In fact, back here.
1: Depending on how this goes, I can go back and change your transcript and bump your <laughs> Sweet. See. All right, let's <laughs> let's see.
0: Let's see about that. Um, something that I really thought was very impressive with about Sam is he said he mentioned that he writes something every day, and one thing that I've heard from uh, a lot of other authors that are guests on a lot of the shows that I listen to is that a writer needs to write every single day and as an author that that um, seems to be something that um, you take seriously yeah and last year in fact he said that he wrote a handwritten letter to someone different every single day and that was probably a a really fun journey that you took
1: it was really fun it it, that was So this is airing in 2017. So that that would have been 2015 that that happened. Yeah, you. Yeah. It was 20 um, last yeah week when you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, and it was. It was. uh, I got about eight people who wrote me back. Really? (laughs) Out of 365.
0: 365.
1: And I have, I I not only hand wrote the letters, but then I kept a journal of what I wrote to them, and then I kept a digital list of the people, and then a handwritten list. Because I didn't want to duplicate. I have about five duplicates. People, I, I wrote my sister twice. I wrote my son twice. I wrote my wife twice. But yeah, it was good. It was by November. Cool. I was spent. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I imagine. Um, did you? Um, so as far as journal keeping, do you keep? I, I imagine you've probably kept a journal most of your adult life.
1: Mm, I started in earnest in. 2006 i started teaching high school in uh, 1997 and then i got a master's degree and then i started dabbling really in in uh more seriously in writing and then i thought i gotta start writing every day and it helps motivate students to write every day too i mean mm-hmm. that's not why i do it but to keep up the craft and to try things out but yeah since 2006 it's been every day cool yeah
0: and what kind of journals there are a lot of different journals people swear by Mm-hmm. What kind of? Do you keep one journal? Do you have several different kinds of journals for different types have, of?
1: Yeah, I got content? lots. It, I usually buy one at the end of the year, and it's usually a moleskin with a pocket in the back. Uh, usually, I, I like the size that I can carry around with me. That way, if I get an inspiration or a thought, I can dabble it down. Two thousand six mm-hmm. was my first one. It was about the size of an iPhone, although iPhones weren't around, and I just had it in my pocket, and then I would just write five to ten sentences that was a poem a day that was 2006 a poem a day and there's like three good poems in there and there are so many stupid poems in there <laughs> but that was a good that that's what got me started then i got excited about writing thereafter and then one year i wrote about my wife every day she didn't know i was writing about her and that was a wowie to her at cool. christmas day she liked that cool yeah it's fun
0: i'm uh, i've made a resolve to to journal more because I, I would like to become a writer because I have a lot of ideas that I feel it would be beneficial to share.
1: With yeah. People. Yeah. It was the resolution. Did it happen 2017? Like it, has it just started a few days ago? Yeah.
0: No. Well, I'm, I'm waiting for my journal to come in the mail to officially start. So it's, <laughs> cool, man. it's, it's, That's being, good. it's being, it's so being shipped. Ordered it. and, good. Yeah.
1: Good. You, you gotta like what you're writing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm excited. It's kind of, I think I'm going to start off with the gratitude journal and kind of see where that takes me cuz i i get the inspiration throughout the day and would like to record i mean i i put it like in google drive or mm-hmm. digitally but you know handwriting
1: they, yeah i i've found that handwriting a journal it's you're more thoughtful you're more pensive your sentences and your your ideas come across as a little bit more sincere and uh, gratitude i'm that's a good way to start elder bednar said that that was a a show of conversion when we're converted we begin to show gratitude it it becomes less about us and what we see around us that Mm -hmm. we're grateful for which makes this interview kind of interesting because it's like let's talk about me and it's like well i'm kind of i'd kind of like to distance myself from me Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure
0: yeah i interviewed uh an author named kevin Clayson. he wrote a book called flip the gratitude switch cool and he's He's kind of been a big part in inspiring me to, to be write down what I'm grateful for. Yeah. It was a really fun interview. That's fun. Um, but I guess we'll start with, with the questions that I have, that I, I shared with you, that you mentioned you have forgotten. Absolutely forgot. <laughs> Honestly, I have no clue. <laughs> We're going to make this as organic as we can. But um, the first one is, for the audience, where and when did you serve?
1: served in the Scotland Edinburgh mission from August of 1990 to 1992.
0: How many missions were there in Scotland at the
1: time? One. It swapped a lot. There's chances our listeners know someone that went to Scotland and some it was the Scotland Ireland mission a long time ago and then it was the Scotland Edinburgh mission then it was the Scotland Edinburgh and the Scotland Glasgow mission and then it went back to one mission then it went to two again and now it's the Scotland Ireland mission again, which is the ultimate place to get called. <laughs>
0: I would think. So So there's one mission again. There is one mission for those two been. countries.
1: Yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, Ireland cool. and Scotland.
0: Sweet. When did you become converted to the gospel?
1: Um, I, I've always had in my heart, uh, I've always had an obedient heart. I don't say that in any way to boast. I say it in, to let you know that... Um, my parents let me know that I've always been an obedient person. I've been sensitive. I think the older we get, the less sensitive we get, or maybe more accustomed to things, but I've always known that there is a God. And I know that I've always known that Jesus is the Christ. However, I would have to say that there was there was a day when it, it really hit me. And that was uh, before I went on my mission, I was 17. And my older brother got into a lot of trouble, and he went to prison. And I um, was—he got sentenced to two life sentences without parole. He was going to be there for the long haul. And I was in my room, (laughs) no kid. And he—and I was downstairs, and I was crying. And I had finished the Book of Mormon once, but I was seventeen, and uh, I was really upset. My dad came down and said to me, Sam. Joe can be happy in prison if he chooses to follow Jesus Christ. And it's this is why he come this is why Jesus Christ came to the earth. And and you need to understand you can't your sorrow will not it doesn't help things, but you can take that sorrow to the Lord and He'll take it from you. And you and you will know that He's happy too if Joe chooses to follow. And immediately I felt better. Immediately and I dried my tears and I went that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like my 17 years up till then where those sensitivities, when someone put it in the words, when it counted, it was, and I knew. I was like, oh, so Jesus is the Christ? And he said, yeah. And my dad, I remember on my 16th birthday, my dad told me that too. He said, you need to know two things from me. You need to forgive your parents. (laughs) The older you get, you're gonna realize how we were trying our best, but we really didn't know what we're doing. And that Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. Hmm. And you just got to know it. And I wasn't, you know, I had my skateboard under my feet in this living room. Just kind of like, yeah, okay, love you. But it wasn't, you know. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it, but that uh, it hits you hard, what he said. Yeah. I would say the, the biggest conversion moment for me was actually in the MTC. When we were teaching, we were doing a mock discussion with some of the other elders in our district and we were talking about the um, the first vision yeah and we we were teaching in Korean but we'd only been there for a few weeks and so it was you know sketchy and reading in a language that you've only learned for a few weeks is a little complicated so we would read the scripture passages in English and I remember when I read the 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 other companionship that was teaching my companion and me had me read the the passage Joseph Smith. I
1: saw a pillar of light exactly mm-hmm. over my head. Yeah,
0: and I I couldn't get through it
1: because you knew it was, it, was it just
0: it didn't it hadn't ever hit me just like Joseph Smith said that when he read James one five it hit him like yeah. no passage of scripture ever had before mm-hmm. even though he'd read that verse before. Yeah, yeah. It, the same thing was. I want true to see these
1: moments because I've, you know, this question is such a great question. If there is time travel in the eternities, mm-hmm. I would love to witness that and go. Now he told me about how what he's feeling. Right. Let's see or, it. Let, happen. Yeah, yeah, and and watch your face and and know that inside it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And that's so nice. it was. Uh, it, it was a, at a time when I learning learning the language was tough and it was difficult. But knowing that you're there for to serve the Lord and to teach people yeah. the good news is it's, it's it was relieving to me to be able to have that that experience. That's so, great. That's super. Yeah, that's probably the biggest conversion moment.
1: Then for you me. just plug on, huh? You wipe your eyes and you're like, I wonder what's for lunch. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, in the empty sea, you're full constantly. So <laughs> okay. it's more like, I wonder when I'm going to bed. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> That's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, so now that we've discussed a, a spiritual moment from before your mission where you got converted, um, share your uh, your favorite spiritual experience from your mission.
1: Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the majority of the, the moments I had were uh, born from... Difficulty. Uh, it's where we didn't see it coming, where we would head out into the rain and uh, and everything was dismal and everything smells like cigarettes and the sun goes down at three thirty and it's and you're knocking on doors. I would say that um, the miracles that happen. I mean, I can give experiences that I've had, yet they're 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 born of difficulties they deal with companions that i didn't get along with but then in the end the miracle happened let me can i give one quickly i'll try to i'll try to say it yeah uh i had a companion that just didn't want to work and he left for a few days with another guy with another companion, (laughs) and i was left with um one of my mtc companions and we were just relatively new we we, 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 did, we got on a bus, and we're like, let's go teach. And if you could get a discussion a day in Scotland, it was good. So we said, no, we're, we're getting four. We're doing four. So we got on the bus, me and this other elder, elder, Elder Wilson, he and I, and we just went to the outer reaches of my area because, truthfully, we were scared to get off the bus. <laughs> so you waited as long as <laughs> oh, you could. Oh, yeah, you're like, I think this is the end of our <laughs> area. And then you get off. And then we go to a high rise and get take the elevator lift to the top. Start knocking doors and coming down. And I could tell you a lot of details, but I'll just say that in those coming down the stairs, we met and taught four different people. And it was always a, a very large woman answered the door, and she was she's halfway through our teaching her. Then someone came and said, "Who are you guys?" And we said, "Oh, we'll visit you next." and then during that one someone else and during that someone else it was like bing 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 and so by like 2 o'clock we had taught four discussions wow. and we felt so good and uh, then I we, because of my companion we, we just had friction and we never went back there even though at my pleadings I'm like you have to understand they're awesome and he's like hey man when you're the senior companion you know you're like alright whatever <laughs> But a year later, I was in Glasgow, downtown Glasgow, and I was just walking out of Julian Avenue. It's a, it's a famous chapel in Scotland that the LDS people go to. And a car pulled up next to me, and it was someone from my first area, Gail Lavery, and she was just this young woman. And in the back was this big woman in the back of her car. And I'm like, do I know you? And this woman got out, and she, she said, Elder Beeson, you never came back for me. I'm like, I know you. What's your name again? And she said, why didn't you ever come back? And she was wearing a tag, and she was a ward missionary. What? Yeah. And I said, what? And, she, and I said, I, my companion didn't want to go back there. And she's like, well, I got baptized. And it, I got there. And that happened in uh, September of 1990. And, this, and it was August of 91. And someone had just found her in the area book,
0: mm-hmm. looked
1: her up, and was like, this looks good. And she got baptized like a week later. So you would you had logged her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the book. Yeah, because my companion's like, We're not going back. And I'm like, Well, I'm just gonna write Someone's down all the details. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I need to know her name too, but it was a miracle. It was a miracle. And just and it's then that I knew, I thought, Oh, he is so in charge of this. Because I thought, <laughs> yeah. what was the point of us teaching four discussions? Why do why did he answer our prayer? But And why is my companion keeping the Lord's work from going? It's like, oh no, unhallowed hand can stop the work. Sure. You know. Now I I got to be careful because also I mean someone who may hear this go, well, I know who your companion (laughs) was. But here's the thing, I was a dingbat sometimes too. You know, we're out there trying to survive, but it was awesome. But it really let me know that he was in charge, and I have so many like that where, a a got to z. By going through B, then sure. P, then Q, and it skips, them. you know, back it just, through R. Totally, and... <laughs> yeah. But it made it a Z. Yeah, it's it was cool.
0: Cool. Do you still keep in touch with people from your mission?
1: Um, <clears throat> one, it's uh, her name is Julia Peel, uh, and well, her married name is Peel. Now she was a 15 year old girl that I taught, and she married one of my companions, and she lives in. Um, Kingsland, England. She's Scottish, up north, and he's British. He's English. Okay. And they have uh, kids. They have a son. Their oldest son is named Sam. Ding. And nice. he went to. He just got back from Greece from his mission. And but I think of the of the twenty six people that I it was, I baptized or participated in helped you know get baptized. Some of them went inactive, obviously. You know, some of them just. The next week, they were back to smoking. Hmm. Some of them died, as you know. You know, it just yeah. happens. But it was about my conversion. My mission was about my conversion, sure. and it, I, I didn't mean for it to be that way. But it was. Oh, the Lord can do His work, right? But He just put me through a lot of fires in a wet land, to, you know, to figure things out.
0: Yeah. What is your favorite
1: scripture? Uh, today. It's, it's you know, I, I read every morning. I wake up at five every morning I, and I give an hour to the Book of Mormon and other scriptures, but I always start with the Book of Mormon. But today's, I don't know, I, I, I honestly don't have a scripture, but today, a favorite I would have to say today is Mormon chapter one, verse two, where Mormon says, When I was young, I was 10, Amoron came to me and he said, You are quick to observe. And I was like, Okay, let's study that. And this morning my study was, Elder Bednar in 2005 or 15, five, gave a talk about what it means to be quick to observe. And he said something, Jacob, it is beautiful. He said, People who are quick to observe have the spirit of discernment. And the spirit of discernment has four steps. Step one is you see evil in the world. Step two, You recognize that part of that evil is in you, (laughs) which is great. We're like, oh, I'm part of this problem that I'm criticizing all the time. (laughs) Step three is you realize that there's good in the world and you begin to purposely seek it. And step four is you realize that that good is in you because of Jesus Christ. And regardless of how ugly the world is and how ugly the, the world is in you and how good the world is, you're like, I can do good things because of Jesus Christ. And... And he said, that's what it means to be quick to observe. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That was today's study. And so every day I've learned that he will give us our daily bread. And often, it's funny because I read that this morning and now I'm sharing it with yeah. you. It's like, oh, I read that and I always share something, you know. Right. The day. That was Bednar? Uh-huh. Elder Bednar. Yeah. Oh, Bednar. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So systematic and methodical and and loving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, not that there is any malice in really any of the prophets. Right.
1: Everyone has their He's strength. definitely, yeah. He's, I love he's it. Definitely he starts his talk. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be here to teach, right. that I may speak by the power of the Holy Ghost and you may learn. And I love, I, I'm learning that now. I, I I want to be able to, whatever we t- I talk about, I want to talk about grammar or punctuation. But because I prepared myself, it's like, I can, yeah that common rule is awesome and you're like it's actually not it's the spirit if i have it you know right <laughs> yeah
0: what is the weirdest uh, weirdest culturally different thing you ate or did on your mission
1: uh i had a companion who dared me to bite a jellyfish on Ayrshire beach which is where robbie <laughs> burns is from the Old uh, Lang Syne, may all acquaintance be forgot. That's where he mm-hmm. was born, Ayrshire. He's the famous, he's the Scottish poet. But we were out on a P-Day and he's like, i will give you five quid if you take a bite out of that jellyfish. <laughs> it's vintage idiot missionary. And so I right. did. And then spit it out and he paid me. But in terms of what Scottish people eat, almost everything is meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll have three types of meat. You'll have like link sausage, then sausage, then beef and Four, four ways to pre- prepare potatoes. I did have haggis. That's the number one thing. It's like, have you had haggis? And I'm like, yeah. And it's not as bad as everyone says. It's kind of like a, a gamey, gritty meatloaf. A moist meatloaf, not any... What kind of meat? Uh, Well, uh, it... Any? It, it, yeah, but it's usually gamey. Like deer. I mean, it's a goat's stomach, apparently, or a sheep's stomach that they put oats and blood and all, and they mix it up and mm-hmm. then boil it and then slice it. They eat it on Robbie Burns Day, which is January 25th, and um, it's his birthday. And the people play the bagpipes, and you and you hang out in someone's house with rosy cheeks, and they sing these <laughs> pub songs, and no one's drunk because you're on your mission, and everyone's a member, but right. you know, <laughs> but they act like they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably the weirdest. Really good sweets there, though. Like treats are really good. Cadbury's really good. Oh yeah. But I haven't been there. You know, it's 92. So it's been 20... This year will be 25 years since my return.
0: Did you ever learn how to play the bagpipe?
1: No. I, I, I think I would like that. I would like that.
0: No. It's a fascinating instrument.
1: Yeah. In fact, for the listeners out there, uh, Jacob Nelson, who runs this podcast, uh, his shirt looks like a bag from a bagpipe. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the plaids. <laughs>
0: Check out his Facebook page and you'll see my... my uh,
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you'll see it.
0: That's my it. shirt. <laughs> so explain in detail the most discouraging part of your mission and how did you handle it?
1: Um, maybe it, it can be couched best this way. Uh, about 10 years ago, again, I'd been home from my mission 15 years-ish. A fellow asked me a question that I wish people would ask me on my mission. I was flying to a grammar conference in Indiana and a minister was sitting next to me from Idaho. And I was reading Shakespeare. He was reading the history of the Bible. And we just struck up a conversation. He was going to finish his doctorate at uh, the Sanford School of Divinity. Uh, oh, Sorry, the Beeson School of Divinity at Sanford University. Oh, really? And I said, oh, I'm a Beeson. And we talked and, you know. And he said, hey, I have a question for you. You're LDS. You're Mormon. I said, yeah. And he said... What do you wish everyone would stop misunderstanding about Mormonism? And I'm like, that is the best question. Because it's you're like, I hate that they all yeah. think this.
0: <laughs> everyone has an answer. Everyone, everyone in
1: the church totally, has. Totally, an totally. Yeah, 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 everyone does, but but and so it, I, it made me reflect on my mission where it was the most frustrating part was people who who in sincerity misunderstood Mormonism. And even if I spoke, I, I believe, by the power of the Holy Ghost to give them an answer, they were so entrenched in the question or their misunderstanding that they wouldn't entertain anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned since then, I mean, I'm 45 now, It I've learned it's not necessarily about how I can answer it. But I, I've come to learn now that I need to more fully understand where their question is coming from because I think I could have just I, – I could have really got to the root of their question because they come up and they're like, use Mormon. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Mormon. <laughs> like, you have five waves. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I have, I'm like, no, I don't have five waves. Ah, you do. And I'm like, I, I actually don't. They're like – yeah, you have five more. Okay, now there's those people, and you're just like, okay, they just want to pick a fight. Right. But then there's the people. It's like, is it true that uh, Joseph Smith really did have more than one wife? And they're sincere. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, you know what? The greater question is, is and I and I, we could get to the point where I'd say, did he see God in Jesus Christ? Because in truth, I would not be surprised, Jacob. If in the eternities, there's there's things just as wacky and crazy as can be. It's like mm-hmm. you mow the lawn backwards up here. You're like, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I nothing will surprise me. Right. But I do know that God and Jesus Christ were in New York and visited Joseph. And because I know that, like you, we were talking earlier, I have a belief in that. And it's it doesn't really matter what what people say. I know it, and it brings peace and assurance. Yeah. Um. I talked to a buddy, my buddy the other day, he was talking about people who leave the church because Scotland was very much anti-Mormon, a lot of anti-Mormons. Always gets people spitting in our face and they're drunk and they're, they're like, oh, you're this, and you know, a lot of yelling and screaming at us. We didn't do it back, but um, I love that God's plan, if, when people ditch the church, they gotta have an exit strategy because the plan of salvation, the plan of mercy, the plan of redemption, the great plan of our eternal God, God has a plan. And so it's for people who jump sh- off the good ship Zion, like Elder Ballard said, it's like, well, what's your plan? You can't just say, well, I'm just out. Well, right. do you have a plan? <clears throat> out. Like, <laughs> So it's just out? Yeah, I, it's out. It's like, um, I will always pay my tithing, and I'll always go to church. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. My plan is like, I'll always do those things. Yeah. Because I've never seen anyone who does those, does those things ever not have an assurance and a calm to them. They just always are, they're happy. And it's a sacrifice. Yeah. But that was a lot of answers to a, to your question.
0: The question which was? Which was? Most what, discouraging part most of your
1: mission. <laughs> it's just dealing with people yeah. who, who, they don't maybe think it through entirely. Mm-hmm. I don't want to over-intellectualize the gospel, but I'm like, wait, but think about what you're doing. Because I found people that just like, well, I'm going to church today. I'm like, awesome. And I'm paying my tithing. Yes. And? Yeah, yeah. Really, honestly. And the people who do that, they may get cancer, their kid may die, they lose their job, but they're like, you know what, though, I, I, it'll be all right. And then there's people who have tragedy and like, I can't go to church today. It's like, oh, you're like, actually, you you must go to church today. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where, you know.
0: Now is when you need it.
1: That's it. Yeah. And Christ gave his life for the church. So you do it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. What about your mission? Do you miss the most?
1: Uh, I miss uh, my mission, President. He passed away three years ago. Um, Joseph Fielding McConkie is Bruce R. Really? son. Yeah, and I knew him. I I was never in the office. I wasn't an AP or anything. But I missed learning doctrine in a really clear manner. I miss that. Now it doesn't mean if he were here, if President McConkie were here, he would say. Elder Beeson, I have the same scriptures you have, <laughs> and you have the same Holy Ghost that I have, and it was bestowed upon you by the same authority. So go get your own revelation. Sure. Like, but that's how he used to talk. It's like, stop relying on other people. Go to God. Go to the sacred grove. Be Joseph Smith, and God will teach you. And I love Elder Nelson recently, President Nelson, rather, said, God delights in doing his own teaching. He said that just in our last general conference, and I thought, and he said, how delighted would the Lord be if you went to the temple and asked him to teach you about priesthood keys? And I think of President McConkie going, oh, that's something he would say. He's like, <laughs> you go get your own revelation, he'll talk to you, and then you act on it. And you don't back down from people who spit in your face. You may have to listen and grit your teeth a little bit, and you don't yell back at them, but you give them the doctrine. That's what I miss. I, mean, I, really, yeah. I feel really blessed to have been in that era in, in his era, President McConkie's era of 89 to 92, baptisms per missionary in the Scotland Ember Mission, there were, if you got a, a baptism per, for, per year, it was great. But he got it up to 100 per month throughout the mission. And then when he left, it went wow. back. It, it, they get about five per month now still. wow, It's really tough. But his, his theory was the Bible is not common ground, it's battleground. You give him just the Book of Mormon. He, if he said, if you want, to, if they want to talk about the Bible, you open the Book of Mormon, and he said, then they'll feel it and they'll want to get baptized. Wow! So we weren't allowed to carry our Bibles around. I mean, it was sounds like he was intense. Yeah, I mean, an intense individual. Yeah, I just love it. I and I think I'm drawn. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, but it's he was he was an intense guy. Miss it.
0: Cool. Yeah, uh, missionary mission presidents are. Isn't it true? Hopefully, Who's, you can get who was some yours. Amazing. Yes, who was who? Who was yours? I had two. Yeah. Um, R- President Richard Rife and uh, President Nemro. Cool. He was a, I think he still is an accounting professor at BYU. But they're both like just in oh, their own unique way, and it, yeah. that's the thing is, just like the the prophets, the apostles. In their own unique way, like Brother Bednar mm-hmm. has just a very, really good way of dictating the divinity of the gospel, and Elder, Elder Holland, his oh. his testimony uh-huh. is just, you can feel it when he opens his mouth. Uh-huh. Just every every individual <laughs> who's a role model in the church has their own unique way of portraying their testimony. Yeah, and both of my mission presidents were very different, but were so amazing
1: yeah it's the keys and i that's one of the gifts of the spirit is understanding differences of administration that's it's like to some it is given to be healed to mm-hmm. some it is given to heal. Sure. to some it is given to understand differences of administration it's right. like oh yeah that's one of the things you're like oh that's his strength or that's her strength
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah That's one of my favorite parts of doctrine and covenants is the different where it spells out the different
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's great
0: spiritual gifts um, what cultural things from your mission, if any, have you been keeping in your life?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now. If I speak to anybody who's been to Scotland, I give them the Scottish accent. <laughs> in fact, I went to the, the Scotland-Ireland mission has the largest, I just couldn't do a little Irish there, I Heard it. Um, mission reunion in the world. And I went up there two years ago, and there was a Scottish lady there, and I said, how you doing? And she said, great, who are you? And I'm like, my name's Sam. I'm from Airdrie." She goes, do I know you? And I'm like, I'm an American lady. She's like, that's a great accent. And a guy standing by is like, you sound like Mo Gibson. <laughs> but the accent, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fun to do. And it everything's funny with a Scottish accent. Really? It's like, oh, everything. It's like, hey, Jacob. Your mother's dead. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know, <laughs> or,
0: but you sound like William Wallace. <laughs> you know,
1: William Wallace. Uh, but you no, know, really, the Scottish accent is a funny accent. Mm-hmm. And you can really talk about anything. I've got some water here. I'm going to drink it. That's a mm, it's brilliant man. It's just funny. Scottish people, when I hear a real Scottish accent, I'm like, oh, there it is. Because I know, mine's very anglicized. But answer to your question the accent. The
0: accent. <laughs> It's funny you say that um, Scotland, Ireland have the biggest reunions. I was actually just doing a search, a look, search on Facebook for um, return missionary Facebook groups. And yeah. by far, Scotland, Ireland had Huge. significantly more members. than. Yeah.
1: Up in Salt Lake City, they have the same one every October. And they start with the bagpipes. You pay your three bucks to get in the door. Um, I think the Scots get that from, it's like going into a pub, you know, you pay the tab. to get mm-hmm. in, <laughs> And then a general authority typically speaks. He, David B. Haight used to speak at it until oh, wow. he passed. And, but all mission presidents, if they're alive, they ar- arrive, we sing some Scottish songs, we hear the latest report from Scotland, and then we separate. It's a large stake center in Salt Lake City. And then you meet with your mission president. And there's usually a dozen mission presidents there, and they meet with the missionaries who show up. And cool. they talk. It's, it's really, really fun. Yeah, it's a clan it really is
0: that's really cool they have bagpipes and everything
1: yeah the pipes are cool yeah pipes still give me chills yeah. good chills they're so fun to hear they are they are they're sad and they're noble and they're courageous they're every yeah
0: yeah what, going to uh, the last time I went to the conference center during conference there's somebody out just playing
1: yep and it's the best He's got a kilt and get a playing. kilt and it's better if it's raining and a little cloud goes between you and the piper <laughs> <laughs> and you look <laughs> and
0: there it is
1: <laughs> yeah i think he was playing uh come come ye saints or, or oh yeah praise to the man is based on the scottish it says at the bottom of that hymn a Scottish folk hymn, but it's their national anthem. It's maybe dun, it was that song. Yeah, that's what it was. Dun, dun, that's dun, that's why it sounded dun, dun, familiar. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's the one. WW cool. Cool. Uh,
0: who is a spiritual giant you've always looked up to, and what trait or traits make them such a giant in your life?
1: Uh, my wife is has consistently twenty four years of marriage. Sarah Beeson is. I am, I don't know how to say it without its, you know, you hear people on media, like, oh, my wife's the best, or hey, I love you, baby, yeah, I'm here for you. And you're like, okay, why don't you just keep that? I don't know if you always profess your wife, you know, your love for your wife publicly, but my wife lives by this, she just, she lives by an unyielding allegiance to God. And typical from Sarah to come out of her mouth is something like, Sam, you know why I keep the commandments? And I'm like, yeah, because it makes you happy. She goes, no. (laughs) I keep the commandments so I can get revelation, so I can guide our kids. She goes, that's why I keep them. Because raising kids is dang stinking hard, but without the Spirit, it's almost impossible. But if you have the Spirit, because we have five kids, and they all have different needs. Mm -hmm. One kid, one of my kids, responds when I bark at him. And the other one responds if I say, you know how much I love you and I get the same reaction but if I were to switch those it would just be <laughs> but, and I don't think that comes just from being observant or having a discerning spirit it has to come from God he knows his children that's what you were saying about the 12 earlier they have these gifts and you speak to them you know sure and my wife is she reads every morning she reads the enzyme she reads she's an avid reader people call her often for advice and, she, uh, and she's like, I am, she's always like, I am nobody. I just like standing in my house, cleaning it, making good food, and eating with my family. And I'm like, that's the best. That's the best life. You know, and she really does. She's she's very content. And she's often worries about her standing before the Lord, but she, she's naturally happy, too. She's awesome.
0: Thank you. What was your biggest weakness as a missionary?
1: Uh, I think I just got in the way of missionary work because of either my humor I, you know, I've really learned now that I'm 45 years old it's not about me, Sam this isn't about you, God wants us to use our talents but not get in the way and one example was we were sitting at a door once, we knock on a door and a woman answered and I said hey how are you, we're the local ministers and we're here to tell you about a living prophet and she's like on your bike pal and then I said, "I don't even have a bike." And then she kind of laughs, and then I laugh, and then, and it was one of those moments, kind of, you know, you can just keep talking, right? And they're not gonna, they're not mad; they're just kind of entertained. And I remember I uh, started making little uh, bubbles on my tongue and blowing them off my tongue, like, you know, I don't know if the listeners know how to do that, but you just make a little bubble underneath your tongue and then you blow it off the end of your tongue, and it floats to the ground. Mm-hmm. And she started laughing, my companions laugh, and I'm like. Yep, there they are. Really? Is this what entertains you and all this? Well, two days later, the mission president calls me and says, hey, um, I need you to stop spitting on people. And I said, president, I don't I do not do that. And he's like, a woman called. She said that you uh, persistently tried to get in her door, and then you were spitting on her carpet. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I was blowing bubbles off my tongue. Oops. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, Elder, we don't need that. And then he said, actually, any advertising is good advertising. That's very him. <laughs> he said, but will you stop doing that? And I remember just going, uh, often me, Sam Beeson, I often get in the way of what God would have me do. But he also wants me to be happy. And I was being silly. And so I think there's an appropriateness. I think i that's what I regret is kind of getting in the way and maybe— saying something to get a laugh and I shouldn't say that. Yeah. You know. I mean, do we all have this? I mean, it's happened to all of us today. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's oftentimes you're you're being yourself and you're perceived in such a way that you had no idea would be Yeah. have an impact.
1: Yeah. Elder Maxwell said, "We should never excuse ourselves because of our personality to say, oh, well, that's just me." Right. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't do it. You say, "Nope, I am thine." I'm a disciple first and then I'm myself and I've I know I've gotten in the way of a lot of things. I don't beat myself up over it. I'm saying, Yeah, that was kinda dumb. I don't wanna do that anymore. You know. Yeah. How about you? Is that yeah, I, you?
0: I was in the MTC. We we were there for eleven weeks. So we you know, the apostles kind of cycle through who yeah. goes and talks and we heard from Elder Ballard twice. Cool. Which was awesome because he's so strong about missionary work. Yeah, he is um, it was the first time he came to speak and he was walking the grounds of the MTC and my companions or the elders in my district and I were, um, we were walking around and, you know, you, you practice, you do what's called SYL in the MTC you speak your language to, to practice. And mm-hmm. so you bear your testimony and in Korean as many people as you can. And Elder Ballard came up. And so I was able to my companions and i were able to bear testimonies to him in in korean and um i uh i i had a girlfriend bef- when i was in the mtc <laughs> not from the mtc but i left a girlfriend at home when Got i it. <laughs> anyway so and she had me she gave me a, a thumb ring that i had carried on on my thumb through.
1: just like a wedding looking ring you yeah, like a gold yeah, band it was
0: silver Okay. On my thumb. And um, I had it, I wore it when I was in the MTC. And after, I think it was the same day, Elder Ballard, when he was speaking to the entire MTC, mentioned when he was talking about, um, you know, make, putting yourself mentally and physically in the work, 100% dedicating yourself. He said, An elder with a thumb ring cannot focus on the work. He said that the day before? He he said that, no, the day... Oh, when
1: you bumped into him right there.
0: After I had borne my testimony to him in person, he spoke to the entire MTC and said that that. (laughs) as an
1: anecdotal kind of a... Anyway, oh so I took my, my And off you were at like, and, and you bent over, like, <laughs> yeah. hand underneath the chair yeah. ahead of you, and were just like rocking, by, <laughs> spitting on I, it. Uh, he he was, really said that. He said that. I liked it. I liked that that happened.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, Did you take it off immediately? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't wear it after that.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. But that's a testament to you, because I, that's what we do. When they say, you say, oh, yeah, that's I, great.
0: I could have said, oh, that's just, you know, it's moot.
1: It's yeah, well, he my, doesn't know. Right. He does. Oh, yeah, she's special. Right. <laughs> that's cool. I love that. I love that you did it that fast, Jacob. That's that's what's neat.
0: I, well, I was like a prophet. Basically, told me. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Shape
1: up or shape out. But I that love thing. that. I mean, the fact that you just shared that with me, I know I'm going to share that with someone, <laughs> because when we're in the service of the Lord, not on our missions, because the missions are the turning point for many of us. It's like I'm different now. I think of things differently. I see God differently. But even years after, it's been 15 years for you-ish. It's
0: been 15 since graduating, 12.
1: 12 years since your mission, 25 since mine. But we should be able to, if the stake president says, brethren, we need short haircuts, and we need to wear ties, and we need to, shoes, okay, yep, and we do it immediately. We don't, like, what? You just do it. Don't question, justify. No. Just Yeah, yeah. And, and now listen, we, we got to take everything they say with a grain of salt, but like, it's like President Hinckley where he's like, a sister can wear one pair. Mm-hmm. It's not about the earrings. It's about, oh, he said that? Oh, yeah, they're out. Like, it's
0: about obedience.
1: Totally. And that's why I think it's cool that you were like off because I know that there are people, and this is, goes back to what Elder Bednar, you see it in the world. It's like there are people out there who would keep it on. And there, there are certain things with Sam Beeson that I'm like, Yeah, but it's not that big of a deal. Because I realize part of that problem is me, too. I know I got it in me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's elements of, you know, now where am I? Oh, brother. All right. Wood badge again? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there
0: was a... I think it was President Hinckley that was giving a talk about coffee. And he was saying how somebody had an issue. I think it was someone's parent... An individual, a girl in the church was had been drinking coffee, and the church came out and said, well, we can't have coffee. And so the parent came to, I don't remember who it was, a bishop or somebody, and said, are you going to tell me that a, a cup of coffee is going to keep my daughter out of, out of Celestial Kingdom? And he said, no, but her disobedience will.
1: Yeah. This isn't about the coffee. It's not about the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, we can there may be good things and bad things about the things that we choose to not do as a member of the church, but it's not about the abstinence per se of those things. It's, it's about the obedience and you obey because of your faith.
1: Because, you're, because of your faith. And, and, we, and I often wonder what we could give up now. Like, what could I do now in the spirit of the sacrament uh, prayer that we may witness unto thee, O oh God, the Eternal Father? It's like, how else can I witness to him because my life is the only individual thing, that's Elder Maxwell, that we really have to give him. It's like, okay, Sam, what could, what could you give him? What, what are you willing to give him mm-hmm. this week? And hopefully by the end of our lives, we've, our lives are a testament. It's like, no. I love that President Packer, he said, I had determined long ago that God would never have to take anything from me. He said, you don't have to take anything from me because I'm giving it to you willingly. You have my vote, I give it to you. And anything you want, you can have because I'm giving it to you. You don't have to ask. And there's that level of discipleship. But if you do,
0: I'll give it to you also. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Even if you do ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't have to. Yeah. And there's something just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just getting older. I love it. I love people who stay married for 40 years because it's a refiner's fire. You go through a lot of stuff and you're like, oh, you stuck it out." Yep. And you were true. Yep. And you stayed true morally in your brain too and you're like I did there's something to the last thing that's just beautiful sure so
0: you. what was your biggest strength that helped you as a Uh, missionary
1: maybe it was I I'm kind of naturally good natured I I think probably that I can get along with most people I had one argument, like a serious fight with one of my companions. It never came to fisticuffs, but we yelled at each other. But thereafter, I, I genuinely, i like people, and I, I don't, I don't know that I try to win them over. Maybe I do. Maybe it's like this little need I have or something. But, <laughs> but I think most people are quite interesting. Like the thing you just told me is really interesting to me. Where you're like <laughs> it off your ring. <laughs> because the prophet the day before one of the 12 said to you "I saw the ring yeah. and then typed it into his talk. <laughs> that makes me laugh because it was but I, think. I
0: mean because if I look back at pictures of me before <laughs> when I was wearing that ring my hand was all. I'm always, You're always monkeying fidgeting with it. with it yeah yeah and so it's so distracting yeah. for someone to be bearing their testimony to you and they're playing with the ring on their <laughs> finger yeah and that may have that may have been, he may look down and was like, what is he,
1: what I can't, doing? what is he, is he speaking? I don't, you know, so. <laughs> so in answer to your question, but, but that's it, is, that's fascinating to me that you've had that moment or that moment when you said that you were bearing your testimony in Korean, but you, you read it in English, but something burned. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. And I think it, your, your question is what, what's my strength? I do I do like hearing people's stories. I just think they're the best. <laughs> that's the neatest thing. You know, it's neat to hear yeah. people's conversions and how they change. Yeah, that's
0: why that's why I wanted to do this podcast is cuz I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about missionaries, return missionaries that not only will help the masses of people who are going to prepare to serve missions but hopefully somebody, one person will hear something that someone on my show that they have never met mm-hmm. will help them on their mission. Because, yep. you know, there was a lot of stuff that I wish I would have known.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, it would be nice to help
1: yeah.
0: future yeah. missionaries.
1: Wouldn't that be great? I heard a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would. It'd be good. It's yeah. cool.
0: So now this is the, the final part of um, of the interview. I call it the motivation round. Hmm. And it's just a series of five questions Okay. that... Um, One-word answers? Just short answers. <laughs> doesn't need to be very long. It okay. um, doesn't need to be one word, but it's kind of, I feel like, probably five of the most important um, questions for helping future Someone missionaries prep. prepare to serve. Prepare. Okay. The Motivation Round is sponsored by MyOilVault.com. Now there's a more convenient way to carry oil for blessings. At the size of a credit card and nearly indestructible, their convenient oil packets are perfect for your wallet, phone case, or purse. Visit makingamissionary.org slash oil and get yours today. Was there a specific moment that made you want to serve a mission?
1: There was not. I always wanted to serve a mission. Always. Except from the time I was a little kid, I'm like, I want to be a missionary. And... When I left the, my family at the MTC, they used to go into the room and they'd sing and pray. That was those days. They were, they were all crying and I'm like, see ya. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. It's totally fine.
0: What is the best spiritual advice you have to give future missionaries?
1: Read the Book of Mormon every day. It transforms people. It changes them because it focuses on Jesus Christ like no other book on the, on the earth. Read the Book of Mormon and specifically learn from the Book of Mormon. There are people who read the Book of Mormon, like myself, for years. And then when you get to the point where you start learning from it, you're going, oh, I need to act differently now. The Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon.
0: Book of Mormon. What is the single most important thing you did or wish you did to effectively prepare to serve? That may be the same answer.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I did finish the Book of Mormon on my 16th birthday, which I'm so grateful. But yeah, prepare. um, I would say a lot of young men struggle with morality issues. I I don't know that I've ever met one that hasn't. Um, And to prepare for a mission, it's not just um, denying ourselves of all ungodliness. Moroni 10.32 doesn't say, Deny yourselves of all ungodliness. It says, Come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves (laughs) of all ungodliness. Um, The best way to abstain from bad moral behaviors is to embrace good, righteous behaviors that include thoughtful prayer, learning from the scriptures, and attending the temple. When we're tempted, it's like, oh, I need to go do something that's righteous. Like, do the exact opposite. And Mm -hmm. if it offends the devil, steps on his neck, and you feel better. So
0: In your opinion, what is the most important trait that contributes to
1: a successful missionary? Receiving personal revelation and not ignoring people over you with keys to look for what they're really inviting you to do. <clears throat> when a stake president or a mission president or your district leader says, hey, you guys, I read this. I, would, uh, I invite you to read it. That's the spirit speaking. And I always, whenever I hear a leader saying, I invite you to read this. Read this. I'm like, okay. I'm going to look at it. Get your own revelation on it. Yeah.
0: And share a resource that was most effective in your preparation for your mission.
1: It had to be the Book of Mormon. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah.
0: And any final words of advice for anyone who is listening to the show and does not know
1: yeah. if it, they
0: should serve a mission?
1: The... This is something that drives me absolutely batty. And it is when moms or dads or kids who want to go on missions, moms or dads say, well, I I don't want my kid. He needs to go for the right reason. Or he needs to go for him. Or a kid's like, "I, I need to go for the right reason. Listen to me now. The best reason to go on a mission is because your mom wants you to. You honor your mom. If you don't want to, it doesn't really matter. She's been feeding you. And washing your clothes and blessing you and doing it for 19 18 years and now you're like I don't really want to do that it needs to be for me well it's never about you and the older I get the more I realize it's not about me in fact the more it's less about me the better it gets and the easier it gets it's always about him Jesus Christ and his holy father our father in heaven and so when someone says I don't know. Like, my my wife has already said to the kids, and here's the thing, if my kids don't go on missions, okay. Two of them are have gone on missions, and I have three left. Uh, I have five kids. But if one of them says, I don't want to go on a mission, my wife will just, will she'll pull up her chair toe-to-toe wow. and say, I know you just finished some pie I made you. You're going to go on a mission for me because I love you and you love me. Now, go out there and work. Be a man or be a young woman and do it. And you're going to find that about three months in that this wasn't about doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And God will assure you that this is right. Now go out and do it. Okay? And there's the tie. Nope, you're going. <laughs> now I know people have tried that and you're like, you can't bully. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is either the commandments are true or they're not. Honor your father and your mother. They want you to go. Okay? But I don't want to. It's like, doesn't matter. Just do it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be okay. Yeah, And you'll get assurances. So.
0: Yeah, and it's you're right. It's not It's not about whether you want to or not, and it's not about the mission. I need to do it for me. You're like, no, no, no. But you realize, hopefully soon, that it's the best thing you can do for yourself.
1: No one has ever served a mission that has, and and really given themselves to it, that has said, I should never have done that. Now, if they transgressed on their mission, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if they come home and they read some stupid anti-Mormon stuff on Google, that stuff just... (laughs) Whatever, You're like, no, it's, oh, there's a foundation yeah. there. It'll be all right. Yeah. Hey, this Good. has been awesome, man. Thank you very much. You You're such a professional.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Sam's testimony and his experiences on his mission. Obviously, he's a very uh, inspirational, motivational guy, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to sit down with him Again, if you'd like to see the show notes, they are at makingamissionary.org/episode five. You can see pictures from his mission and other things as well. And also, before I go, I would like to share some ideas that I have for the show. I would like to um, do a segment called "What's Your Story," where I would, um, I, I would like to do a segment called "What's Your Story," where I would read. On the show, maybe on special episodes, um, your stories of conversion or missionary advice. So it would just be quick snippets of of what you have to say, and maybe I'll set up a voicemail line, and you guys can submit those and and offer some some quick words of advice. Also, another segment I'd like to do is called Preparation Day, where maybe every Wednesday and sometime in the middle of the week, as bonus episodes i would read uh, mission letters maybe i could read once for my mission or if you want to submit your own but it would be cool to see um, cool to listen from from other missionaries or i could do introduce popular places that missionaries visit on p days from missions around the world i know that i had some pretty awesome experiences on my mission And I'll be putting pictures on the the website sometime down the road of my P-days and the the experiences that I had on my mission. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Young. Is there anything you want to hear about? Is there someone special you'd like to have featured on the show? Visit my website at makingamissionary.org and go to the Contact Me page. I'm also available on Facebook at Making a Missionary and The Real Me on Twitter at Jake Hiram Nelson. Thanks for listening on Young.
1: I am pleased to announce that effective immediately all <coughs> worthy, an able young man who graduated from high school or his equivalent, regardless of where they live the offer of being recommended for missionary service beginning at the age of 18 instead of age 19. We've also given consideration to the age at which a young woman might serve. Today, I'm pleased to announce that able, worthy young women who have the desire to serve May be recommended for missionary service beginning at age 19 instead of
0: age 21. Was there a specific moment that made you want to serve a mission? And you can share it if you'd like. <laughs> and it may have been when your when your dad I just drink some water. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know how it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. it's like <laughs> keep it. <laughs> Are you keeping that? <laughs> maybe no. <I'm> <laughs> maybe. Sorry. So, what was the one who said again? <laughs> the, was,
0: was there a <coughs> single moment that made you want to serve a mission? And you can explain it if you'd like.
1: I always wanted to serve a mission. Look at. <laughs> <coughs> You're going to have to edit that, aren't right, you? Yeah. Okay, we, we can start over. Oh, I'm such an idiot. <coughs> Jacob, I'm ready.
0: <coughs> what was the. No, I'm not ready. Here, <laughs> give me a drink of water.
1: I'll. <laughs> And they tell a joke. There once was a man from it. In Utah, there's one major dream that every beehiver will dream. There's one major theme that every beehiver will dream. The theme I submit is to comfortably sit at the top of a pyramid scheme. <laughs> you wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, and, and so I won a lobster dinner. Check, check. Test one, two. Test Hello. one, two. Hello. Check one, two. Ah.